You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can support the show financially by going to blackandgoldhockey.com and clicking on the fanatics.com banner before shopping online. You can also purchase exclusive Black and Gold Hockey podcast merchandise in the official B&G shop. And now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show! Hey, Bruins fans, welcome back to episode 93 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, in, uh, sponsored by the Weekend Warriors Adult Hockey Academy. Um, definitely check out these people. They do a great job across the United States, uh, giving beer leagues like myself and, and others on the panel uh, uh, more a skillful insight and in, in how to uh, do certain things at a certain age. Um, but we'll talk about that later on. Uh, definitely give them a, a shout out uh, on the phone at 814-673-2000. Uh, check them out at weekendwarriorshockey.com and follow them on Twitter at www.adulthockey. Uh, welcome back, Rob. Welcome back, Court. How are we doing this week? Uh, I think after yesterday's game, we're all good. <laughs> yeah, I think yes. so. How's Court? After last week and yesterday's game, fantastic. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Game seven happened since we've hey, hey, oh, yeah. I, I live in the lion's den. Like, <laughs> I, oh, I was like, oh, we'll talk about it. Please I, tell me you're wearing, like, two brewing sweaters at all time, not just one. <laughs> uh, well, I was wearing my pasta shirt and my Bruins hoodie yesterday, along with my Bruins socks. Nice. Nice. But I was very nice at the day after Game 7. I did not chirp. I did not do anything in public. I was, I did not do anything that was chirping at all. I waited a day. As long as you wore uh, uh, sandals with them socks just so they can see them. Oh, no, uh, we had snow today. That's not going to happen. <laughs> ah, that's normal. Yeah, it sucks, man. Yeah, definitely on um, on Wednesday's uh, game seven, it was it was I was I had a moment of happiness for, as a Bruins fan, but also for you, Court, so you can just um, literally just soak this all in. So, congratulations, my friend, and hey, it was all the Bruins. I just I, I just didn't have to deal with. The I know, but ju- it's your representation in Toronto that made it so much better. <laughs> oh, did it ever! <laughs> Um, I got to welcome one more person to the panel. This is the second time he's come on, but the first time as as a group. Uh, and his name is Ron. Uh, sorry, Thomas Ni- Thomas Nystrom, 
and he is the catalyst of the black and gold hockey productions and uh the backbone of getting sponsorships and and some money involved into what we're doing um and he does a great fantastic job uh and those beautiful t-shirts that everybody yes and all the black and gold gear it comes from this gentleman right here he's the guy that does all of it so please go to bng shop dot big and get your official black and gold podcast gear thomas how's it going buddy I'm hanging in there, man. Good, good. Glad, glad to hear it. So, um, we brought you on not only to talk about uh, a, a wide list on this agenda, but we also wanted to talk about um, the Weekend Warriors uh, Adult Academy. And and you were were you there this past weekend or this weekend? Uh, this as of uh, I think their camp actually just wrapped up maybe three hours ago uh, at my home rink maybe 20 minutes from here. Uh, so I spent the weekend going over there. I sat in on some of their film sessions, just kind of see how the coaches were, uh, watched a number of drills, ended up pretty much on the ice watching them and filming, uh, putting together some videos for them. So it was honestly like I've been really psyched up about this this whole uh, arrangement with them, uh, but just watching it in action, uh, especially having been off the ice for a solid month, month and a half now with, with a back injury, I'm I'm itching to get back on, and I'm really really excited about this program. Yeah, so uh, tell us a little bit more about what they do and 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 what they bring to uh, beer leaguers and and other uh, age groups that uh, want to learn more about the game or or, or learn more about a skill set. Well, I mean, just to start off with the idea of the age groups, uh, I ended up talking to a number of the dudes, whether it was interviews or just sharing a beer last night and uh some of these guys are literally like 25 30 years old and just trying to pick up the sport a little late uh and then there was another dude that i interviewed last night i want to say he was like 67 years old and he drove up from long island uh and he was he's been in a beer league for the last couple years and was just working on his uh his weak side he wanted to be there to develop on and uh skating backwards with power but your basic your basic skills and stuff like that that you don't always get when you do like stick and puck or or your weekends, like hour sessions and stuff. So it was really cool to see like why everybody was there. And then the, the range where they were coming from, uh, one of the guys that I interviewed comes down from Montreal every year, goes to Connecticut to do this, like just completely separate himself from his normal life and just concentrate on hockey for three straight days. Like, I, I don't know how the hell he does it, but like financially and, all that stuff, but like that's his vacation, and like that's how cool this program is, and people take it real serious. But it's it's a fun environment, so <clears throat> very excited about it. Hey, explain about the uh, the training session, the uh, the video and on ice session. Is it um, how do they break it up? Well, you got basically. I want to say the Shelton one uh, this weekend was a sellout around like thirty six or thirty eight people. Uh, I think there was like four or five females and the rest was uh, guys ranging from 25, 30 to obviously like almost 70 years old. And uh, they break it up into two teams. You got a white and a blue team. <clears throat> and then they also break it up in skill level from there. Uh, so you have like your beginner novice and then you have the guys who have been playing five, 10 years and et cetera, et cetera. They start filming you uh, doing some of their drills and uh, then they break you into groups and they bring you back to the film study room. And we'll literally critique everything you're doing skating-wise, where your arms are in your stride. Uh, if your skates are chattering as you're going in for shaving the ice and coming to a full stop, 
they break it all down, give you tips, and then the next time you get on the ice, which is normally within the next like three hours, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, they start putting those those uh, critiques into like on ice practice, uh, and then they do the same thing. You get a couple of scrimmages and full team scrimmages, and they film like a half hour game, and they're going to break down the game tape just like your NHL player, and they're going to tell you like you're out of position here. This is where you need to be. They break it like they break it down. It's it's legit coaching that you get for twelve hours ice time in three days, which as you guys all know, twelve hours on the ice in three days is is a lot, but they make it work because they make it fun. Yeah, that's amazing. Um uh definitely worth checking out. Please go to the uh, the Weekend Warriors hockey website uh and, and check them out on uh, you can give them a phone call and at eight one four uh, six seven three two thousand, and uh, check them out on Twitter at WW Adult Hockey. They are and they are in Atlanta, Georgia this weekend from May third to sixth. Then yep. they go to Lake Tahoe from May seventeenth to the twentieth, and they come back on the east uh, to Buffalo, New York from the thirty May thirty first to June third. And uh, for uh, the Boston listeners, if you guys are interested, this is the, the time now to, to get involved and get in contact with these guys because uh, the Boston um, weekend session uh, is from June 7th to the 10th. So, yeah, and speaking to the director this weekend, uh, he said that there's six or seven spots still open in Boston, including uh, some goaltender spots. So regardless of what your position is, this is, it's crunch time. If you if you're really serious about doing this, jump online, get the information, uh, and if you guys end up signing up, you'll see me there. Actually, nice, awesome. So, we thank Weekend Warriors for uh, sponsoring our program, and thank Thomas for his hard work and getting these guys to uh, get involved. So, Thomas, we really appreciate that. No, absolutely. Let's talk some Bruins now. Yeah, let's talk some bees. Um, last week game, the last time we talked was the. Uh, was April twenty second, and obviously the I was I was really excited for a game six win and just to stop my Monday off perfectly, but unfortunately, the Toronto Maple Leafs won three to one. But all good things come to an end when it comes to game sevens, right? And uh, on Wednesday, the Bruins put it away with a seven to four victory and moving on to the second round. It was it feels so good to say second round because the Bruins have not been to the second round in four seasons, so. I'm fist pumping. I'm doing all this. It's crazy. It's crazy. But um, what what did you guys feel? And was the matchup good enough for the Bruins against the Maple Leafs? It obviously was. But what was there anything involved in this matchup that you you were worried about or concerned about, or was it was it was it the matchup that the Bruins needed in the first round? Uh. Yeah, it was definitely the matchup they needed. That was the toughest first round for any team, I think. Um, it just had everything. Speed, skill, there was a lot of physicality on play. So I think, if anything, it's made them better to go into Tampa now and hopefully beat Tampa. Yeah, I have to uh, agree with uh, Rob pretty much on 100% of everything he said. It was... Toronto just was that uh, that wild card team. When you think about it, it was you know a hundred point team versus a hundred point team, um, t- two teams that battled all year. And and when you look at the series, you know 
as much as I love him, Anderson outplayed Tuca, except in Game Seven, which is the game that mattered. So it it, it, it was a weird one. Um, the you know Zdeno Chara holds down Austin Matthews to one goal, and when you think about it, Chara wasn't even on the ice. So it it, it it's it's one of those things where I didn't want it to happen. I didn't like the matchup. I would rather have the Bruins played the Lightning in the first round because I like the matchup better because the two teams play. Not similar styles, but uh, a better style for Boston against. The Toronto Maple Leafs are just speed, 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 speed. I don't see speed, 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 speed from Tampa. Um, we'll talk about last night's game, yesterday's game. But Toronto was just – it's one of those teams that scared the living daylights out of me solely because I live here and, and also because they can be the you know lightning in a bottle and uh, take down the Bruins because they beat us all season. But – our experience that the team's experience, sorry, uh, showed that uh, in Game Seven that we were the team, and that that goal by Kapanen, and I'm sure we're all agreeing, we all thought it was the dagger. Score shorthanded, Marchand's absolute embarrassment of a, a back check. Um, I thought it was over, and then this team showed resilience and scored four goals again. I I was talking to a lot of friends about this game, and I said, you know, what was worse, 2013? or um, Game 7 this year. And they all unanimously said Game 7 this year. Over, They said they, they gave up four goals again, but this time, last time when they were playing the Bruins, it was, you know what, we didn't think we were going to be there. It, it was no expectation. When they came back against the Bruins this time, people expected them to win. Losing was a lot, a bitter pill to swallow, and the, the least media here has destroyed this team. And they've... Uh, you think the way they treat Tuca is bad. Like Jake Gardner. I don't even know how he's ever going to show his head in Toronto again. <laughs> like, you know, Anderson's garbage again all of a sudden. Um, that, that's laughable. And uh, and the new one is Mike Babcock and uh, Austin Matthews don't get along. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, at that point, you're just grasping at straws and you're trying to throw the blame. <clears throat> there's no there's no question in any of our minds. Even even though we don't really care about Toronto as like following as a franchise, we pay attention to them because they are good. And this is... This is the best we've seen from them in a few years. Uh, and we're also fully aware that they're growing right now. So they're going to be there in our face for the next couple of seasons at the very least. Uh, but they definitely weren't the the matchup that I wanted for the first round, mostly because the way we limped into the playoffs. The last couple games, we did not see what we wanted to see out of the team. Uh, people weren't producing. Uh, goaltending was struggling. Defense certainly had a lot to do with that. Uh, McAvoy didn't look right, and I, he hasn't looked right since he came back, uh, honestly, until last night, and we'll we'll talk about that later. But not the ideal matchup, and also it's a scary matchup because, like like Court just said, like we don't match up as well with them on paper to go to the next round. The fact that they pulled it off, and we started that series well. Obviously, we had that big game with Pastas getting like 900 points in a game, like it was ridiculous. But then everything started kind of mellowing out, and I think Toronto started getting in their heads because they started to figure stuff out. Uh, the fact that it even went seven was surprising to me, and it wasn't until about five minutes left in, in game seven that I actually felt like, okay, we were supposed to win this game. Uh, that was the least, least I've enjoyed watching the Bruins game all year, obviously because I had everything on the line. Uh, but they got out of it, and that's all we really needed. And like Court said again, the Lightning's a better matchup, so I feel better going into this series. But just to be in the second round, there's only so many teams that have made it this far. So there's a lot of people at home watching these games with nothing to ride on. 
So we're all very fortunate that this team picked it up at the right time. Certain players, Jacob Rusk, uh, picked it up and, and put the team on their back. Uh, Tuca didn't have a great series, uh, but I also didn't think he had a terrible series. And I think that's important to take away from that. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, oh, sorry, no, I was just going to say, I'll tell you what, I'm glad that the Lightning beat the New Jersey Devils because I think New Jersey was the worst of the four teams, uh, the three teams to face. Like, I think they were the Trump team for Boston. And now that they're out, I'm very, very happy. And um, obviously, with uh, Tampa Bay beating um, the New Jersey Devils in the matchup with the Bruins in the second round, that started last night, uh, and, and a huge... I mean, a statement win on the road to start this series. Uh, big 6-2 win. I mean, I, I just see this matchup being, the second-round matchup being so much better than than the Toronto um, seven games. And, you know, I, I'm saying that the, that the Bruins are going to win in, in six. Um, maybe everybody else has a difference of opinion, but... Just the way these two teams played during the regular season, and the way they just they matched up together, um, I, I I feel real confident about this. Um, I don't want to go into the third round. I want to take this round by round because I, I I just don't know exactly what we're gonna see when we get closer to the, to the Cup Finals. Um, but I'm excited. I, I I like the way that this team is is played. They shut down certain players, um, and and the top line. And I mean, what can you? What more can you say about this? I think um, mainly in that Toronto series, they just needed Chara to be Chara, and I think he was like everything we needed him to be. But he was quiet out there; like you didn't hear much about Chara through the commentary, but. I think he was a really good piece in that Toronto series. And I think he was really good in the first game against Tampa as well. And I think he just needs to lead the Bruins like he always has. And just when he plays good, the team plays good. So I think he's probably the key player for the Bruins going forward. And I hope to hell that he doesn't get hurt. It's it's crazy that... Uh... The guy that got 13 points wasn't our MVP of the series. That's that that to me was phenomenal. Like our first line dominated, but as everybody noticed in the the Leaf series, they don't get a point. We didn't win the game, yeah. plain and simple. And not just didn't win the game. That first line looked. I shouldn't use the word terrible because you can never use terrible and Bergeron in the same sentence. They didn't look like themselves. That's that's a better way to describe it. But you know, Pasta gets 13 points in the first round, but we're all. I'm sure we're in agreement that Jake DeBrusque was the hero. Um, he just he had a phenomenal series against Toronto. It was like his coming out party. Like we all know, and the reason why I say coming out party, we all know from watching every game as Bruins fans. But the rest of the world got to know how good Jake DeBrusque is, and the amount of tweets you saw from out of town media representations about the DeBrusque um, Matt Barzell and how many you know burns of the how many how many career playoff points. Um, Jake DeBrusque has and how many uh, Barzell will never have um, solely based on what team he plays for um, was awesome to see um, you know 
you have oh I, I got a, a stat from uh, Bruinstad on Twitter only three players had uh, five plus goals and 12 plus assists in the last year's playoffs and it took them 25 games that's Crosby Malkin and Kessel Pasta just did it in eight <laughs> that's crazy you know like he he was phenomenal four assists against Tampa um yeah, wow that game was just you know they showed it the first line just annihilated and I I think we can all agree in that game Tukarask was uh unbelievable he's the best we've seen him play all playoffs I think agreed and hopefully it continues look I got some stats out of it so the offensive zone possession the Bruins only had three minutes um and 35 seconds they really? scored six goals. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tampa Bay, eight minutes and 26 seconds. Shots. Bruins were outshot 36 to 24. Um, they, the Tampa Bay Lightning had 34 scoring chances to um, the Bruins' 19. So out of 36 shots, they had 34 scoring chances. And out of the shots in the slot, they had 11. That's how good Tukaras was. Because when you think about it, the first goal was a tip. And the second goal was the, the infamous uh, skate blade goal where I know Mark and I um, – we're talking about this in agreement on, you know what, it is what it is, people. Um, the ref even admitted after the game, if he would have known, he would have blown the play dead. But Bruce Cassidy, in his interview after, um, I saw the post-game interview, he, he thought the ref was looking right at it. So he was a little confused. And when you see in the replay, ref puts his whistle in his mouth, does look directly at him, and then doesn't blow the play dead. Um, it is what it is. There's not much we can do. And Pasta took the selfish penalty. It still won the game. That's all that matters. Yeah, should have been 7-1, but I've got to agree with the refs. That's the right call. There's nothing in the rule books about a goalie skate coming out. Uh, and I think if he did blow the play dead, it would just give the Tampa fans a, like a little bit of a way out. Like, oh, the game could have been different if they didn't blow the play dead. They haven't got that. And, and just before I get to Thomas, I just want to jump in right here and just say that a lot of people are bringing in the Washington Capitals game. I think it was earlier this year or maybe last year when Philip Grubauer lost his skate blade. But when he lost his skate blade, he was pushing off and the puck was already in the back of the net. This this had time in game to happen and, and nothing was done. But like, like I said, it is what it is. It, I think it was the appropriate call. You know, it could be seven to one, but yeah, hey, it's a it's just a six to two final. We're moving on to game two, so that's all I'm happy about. But if it cost us the game, I'm sure we would have lost our mind. But the ref's right; it isn't in the rule book. It's it, there's no rule that says they should have blown the play dead. And supposedly they told the goalies before the beginning of the season they had to um, take care of this problem because it was it was happening before. So, huh. well, because those blades are designed to to come on and off like super easy. So they were saying like, put a pin through it, whatever. Like they even talked about it on the, on the commentary last night, but it's just one of the risks that you run with, with the equipment itself. I think this, this as a rule uh, or, or lack thereof, we should say uh, it may be addressed in the off season. To me, the only reason that they could took or take a look at it and why I would be fine with them taking a look at it is because ultimately Rass can't just skate off the ice and somebody else pop back on. If this happens to a forward or a defenseman, they can get over to the bench on one leg and somebody else can jump on the ice. No reason to whistle it dead. If it's a if it's a safety issue or a goaltender in this situation, you got to blow it dead in theory. If they want to say no, then as long as the league knows that's what the rule is. Uh, if 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 you look at it too, 
Rask was immediately pointing at it, yelling at it, looking at the ref, and to to no avail. He was basically like kind of acting in a way. If you if you saw like acting like he couldn't get to the other side of the net, which was a little bit frustrating because he kind of gave up on that play. Um, but maybe because he wasn't aware, it's like, hey, this shouldn't be blown dead. I need to I need to do whatever I can to make sure that we can get control of this puck and we can get get me off the ice and get this fixed. Now, I know all the Tuca haters were getting mad at him for that. So I, I spoke to a friend who was a goalie, and I'm, I'm sure Rob and, and Mark can attest to this. Him not having that blade and trying to push off could have seriously damaged his ACL. He could have oh, definitely yeah. – uh, like yeah. the amount of problems he could have had by doing that. So all the people that were getting mad at him for doing nothing, he was trying to protect himself at the same time. As, as they said on um, Hockey Night in Canada – he should just. They agreed. He, the play should have been blown dead. He was like, they should have just took his mask. He should have just took his mask off and thrown it. Yeah, no, unfortunate. But he would have got a penalty for that. Right. Yep. And, so, and the, the thing is, has anyone had the prank done to them where someone puts clear uh, leg tape on your skate and you get on the ice? Oh yeah, you fall over the place. <laughs> yeah, because that's exactly the same. Basically, he has a groove where he skates. Uh, the actual skate has come out of. And it, all it's done is fill up with the snow around the top of the crease. So when he's trying to push off, he's just pushing snow against ice. What, like, what does that do? He can't do anything. The only thing I saw someone say a pretty clever thing, he should have put his stick under his skate and he could have pushed himself, which, yeah, he could have. But the other thing is, first of all, I think Rask it will get fined for throwing the skate blade. I think he's got to get fined. He threw it towards the fans. If he'd have mishandled it and it had gone into the crowd, that could have been very dangerous. But um, also, like, if what if someone had slipped on the blade on the ice and damaged their knee or leg or head? Like, that's a very dangerous play. So I don't it's know how... Yeah, so I don't know how they're going to review this come the end of this season, but they've got to think of some way in case this happened. But I know with my skates, I had um, release lock ones with the button, and mine kept coming undone at the back, so I got a bolt added. So all you had to do was undo the bolt and then click to release, and that stopped my skate from coming loose. So I don't know if they introduce that to the rules or it's it's a weird one to call, really. And, is. and and as a former goaltender myself, okay, I just want to let you know that um, when I was trained, I don't know about anybody else, but I, I I am pretty sure that goaltenders are not trained to push off the post using their <coughs> blade. My my training back in the day was you put your skate at a forty five degree angle. At the bottom of the ice and where the post is, and you use the ice to push off. You don't use your, you don't use the post. So a lot of people are telling me is like, oh, you should have pushed off on the post. And then I say, well, the way that the the goals dislodge so easy now because it's a, it's a, a safety hazard. It's not like the old days when they used to anchor them by by a piece of metal. I mean, people got hurt back in the day. These are more forgiving to uh, give way for somebody that's cut crashing the net and it can be knocked off a lot more easier. If if he used that that skate to push off and knocks that off, he could punt to potentially get a delay a game penalty. 
And like we like like I'm not sure who said it in the panel, but you know that you could be getting a five on three power play for Tampa Bay. So I think the, the I think when people impact. oh sorry go ahead sorry I was just going to say I think when people were saying to push off the post, you see a lot of goalies use the um, I don't know how you call it now reverse ch is it where you basically put your pad against the post and push. Oh. To cover the pulse, I think that's what people were talking about, but it was more the fact that he was trying to warn the ref, yeah, that there was a blade on the ice and that he couldn't push at all. And like you said, the ref looked straight at him, so for the ref to say, "Oh, I didn't see it," and if I had seen it, I'd have called it dead. I think that's a lot of bullish. Yeah, but, that's a yeah, uh, but you hear that all the time. Like, you hear a ref say, well, if I'd have seen it, I'd have done something about it. But I think the... Token for, for Rask, though, in that situation, everybody talking about, well, he should have done this, he should have done that. Look at the play. Like, he's got six seconds to make a decision. How many times in his career, like his entire life playing goaltender, has his blade popped out? He probably had no idea what to actually do in that moment other than alert the ref, which he clearly on video did, and the ref did nothing. We wouldn't even be talking about this if that puck got cleared and didn't get in the back of the net. That's why he freaked out. We've all seen his temper and everything. And honestly, I'm fine with it. I'm not I'm not in love with the idea that he took a blade off the ice and threw it. But you're going to do things in frustration. There's no doubt about it. I think all in all, we're looking at like coming from game seven and the, the way that the series went with Toronto in general is – Rask is looking at a mental reset right now. You saw him show up with new pads, new glove, the whole deal. <clears throat> uh, he's he's looking to just hit the reset button and concentrate on this series. So it was a little scary to see him get that fired up about uh, an equipment malfunction. But he's locked in because what happened after that that issue, I don't even know. I don't have the stat in front of me right now how many more shots they put on goal after that point. But nothing got in. So if he's fired up and focused in the right way, this could actually even end up as a positive fine or not. I don't think he's worried about getting a fine. He's not looking at a suspension. So it's just business as usual. Um, all right, let's get off the RAS talk because that was a little a little long. Um, uh, anybody know what's going on with Riley Nash? I'm, I'm concerned about this because he just doesn't seem like He's been playing the way we've seen him play, um, especially on that third line role. Uh, now it's the fourth line. Yeah, they played fourth line last night. So, do you think that he his maybe I go back to court on this one? Do you think that maybe his his head issue is is starting to pick up again with the intense pressure of uh, overthinking and you know playing this game? Like I said, I I just recently started feeling good. So, and then I got hurt right after Christmas. My concussion. Everybody is different, but I'm saying like motor skills and certain things I'm able to do now better than I did before. Like when I first started feeling okay, I could do things, and I probably could have played hockey. But I say still wouldn't have been a hundred percent until now, because it's weird. You know, I don't know if he had a concussion. Um, I don't. I don't know his situation, but something is up. My only guess is, if the the one thing I would love to know, if it wasn't the playoffs, would he be playing? And I don't think he would be. 
I don't think Rick Nash would be either. And he had a phenomenal game. Thank God he got the monkey off his back. But I don't think either one of them would be playing if it wasn't the playoffs. And that's the scary thing about concussions because everybody heals differently. Um, there's no real way of knowing you're okay unless that person tells you you're okay. Because the doctor, all they ever do is ask me. And I was I was doing this test, a cognitive test, where I was being asked questions on, on a, every two weeks by my, my physiotherapist. And I just passed it. I thought I was doing fine. I thought I was feeling good a month ago. You know, I, th- I thought I was feeling good right before I made that trip to Boston. And when I met you guys that, that day, when we went to the bar after, I started feeling terrible. I remember talking to Thomas. I said I had to sit down. I sat down at a table and just sat there because the bar was too loud. Yeah. And I hadn't experienced that before. And I thought it was fine. But as soon as we walked in that bar, I'm like, whoa, like my head started messing with me because you're because unfortunately, when you get a concussion or any sort of head injury, you have to re get your brain re acclimatized to certain things. It sounds weird, but it's so true. So I don't know. That's that's my only thing that maybe he has a concussion or maybe he just came back too quick. But I don't know. What do you guys think? I honestly think he's fine. I think the reason for him playing fourth line was to mix it up a bit. Um, I think probably Tampa saw the fourth line all last series and put a game plan together to tackle that. And they shifted Curley to the third line and gave Rick Nash that fourth line centre. Uh, not Rick, Riley, sorry. Uh, gave him that fourth line centre role. I, I think... It's probably a clever idea because they can bring that fourth line back any game. I, I think he's doing okay. I think it's just one of them things. He's had a couple of quiet really, games. Really bad games? Yeah, probably. I mean, he's He just so looks like he's missed a step. I don't know if yeah. I'm wrong, but it looks like he's being very hesitant sometimes. He's been, but he's been so consistent all season for him to 100%. now have like a little bit being off. It's not too bad. Like, if your fourth line centre's off a little bit, it's not the worst thing. I think let him play that fourth line role for a bit and see how he's feeling. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any question that he seems a little bit off. I don't think he's playing terrible right now. But just the idea of, I mean, we're not going to have every line producing uh at all times, like otherwise we're going to be scoring 15 goals a game. It's it's great that certain people are stepping up when when others aren't. Jake DeBrusque in the last year. <laughs> I think you just keep saying Jake DeBrusque. Jake DeBrusque <laughs> yeah, is right. It's just okay. over how, many, how many of us have tweeted the gift when he pulls the jersey? Because that's the greatest oh one ever. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. the, that's my favorite. No, but like I didn't think uh, we could have been having this conversation last week about Rick Nash. Like, where is he? Blah blah. blah. I didn't think he had a terrible series. He didn't have a good series, but. He was doing the dirty work because that's what his physical his figure, physical stature stands stands out in, like, that's a skill set. See, I thought Nash played a good first series. See, and, but so many people, and you know full well, like, so many people were like, where is he, where is he? Because we all heard all these things from Rangers fans the second we got him, like, wait till he gets to the playoffs, he's going to disappear. Like, 
I hear this from my future mother-in-law, a big Rangers fan. Like, they are going to throw that in your face because they they liked Rick Nash. They just didn't like him in the playoffs. But what have the Rangers done recently to make you like them in the playoffs? Nothing. Golf. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I'm not. I'm not saying I think Riley is perfect right now. I don't. I don't. We don't know. We're not in a position to say, like, even with your concussion uh, history court, like, we don't know. Yeah, exactly. You never know. But ultimately, if the if the guys around him are picking it up, if if Rick Nash produces on that line, and the our first line is just insane, and they continue to do these five, six, seven point nights, we're not going to even really worry about Riley Nash sitting on the fourth line. And if they reach the point where they think that he's not producing enough, there is there is some people who are getting scratched. Like last night, we had Carlo obviously with the injury, Donato, Gianta, Holden, Wingles, and Vladar, the the third goaltender the 20 year old from czech republic like there are other bodies sitting there that we can plug in you could throw donato in that role but there's a reason that they're not doing that because they still feel like even though riley nash isn't perfect right now he's offering more stability than donato would at this point yeah and and speaking of line production definitely want to go and talk about the 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 bergeron past that mashan line um Mashing. Hey, yeah, that was my Boston accent, big time. <laughs> um, he, uh, Kevin Paul Dupont of the Globe uh, at Globe uh, KPD tweeted out this morning: Game one versus Tampa, Marshan Bergeron Pasternak went uh, three goals, eight assists, eleven points in game one. Same trio in game in six games in round one versus Ottawa last spring had twelve points, five goals, seven assists. 12 points. Isn't that amazing? I just and 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 the fact is that this this top line when they don't produce a point, they lose games. That's a little concerning to me, but on the, on the other side of the coin, their point production when they are involved and they are engaged is is just huge and and it wins games. You could see it. It's 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 amazing. So <clears throat> Just a good line. They're a spark plug for that whole team. I don't know if you guys saw the thing today with Scotty Bowman uh, giving them all the compliments in the world. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, it's uh, Nesson posted it earlier today. But Bowman gave his endorsement of this line. It's like the the national media knows that this team is so good because of that line. It's really up to the second, third, fourth line to kind of fill in those gaps because they're not going to produce that way all the time. We saw Toronto be able to shut them down because they kind of had a a better, a better setup to kind of shut them down. Where I don't think Toronto, or uh, excuse me, I don't think Tampa Bay necessarily does. So this may be an insane series for that first line, and not even a coming out party because everybody knows who these guys are. But like on a national level, like people are going to recognize, like wow, this actually is the best line in hockey because we've known that all year. Not everybody wants to admit that if you're a fan of whoever. Uh, people following the Vegas Knights right now, they don't know anything about our first line, but if it comes to it, they're gonna, you know. Point and Palat didn't practice today for Tampa, by the way. Um, nothing is out. They did not been said it's a, a maintenance day, and they're part of the uh, the minus five shutdown line. Um, but I, I don't know if you guys saw John Cooper's presser after the game when he said uh, they had, someone asked a question. It sounded like Hags um, about the about the line, and he was like. Um, do you, whenever you see Team Canada or the world champion or anytime Canada's holding up a gold medal or uh, you, you seem to see Marchand and Bergeron, so uh, this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, including the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, he pretty much was like, 
why are we why are we why are we honestly asking the question why Bergeron and Marchand are good because they've been good forever and everybody should know this by now. It's past that it's having the coming out party when you think about it. He's got the 17 points in eight games, which is the second most by a Bruin. Ricky Middleton did it in 19 games. Um, I mean, he had 19 points in his first uh, eight playoff games in 1983. Um, Pasternak is at he's at 2.113 points per game right now, tied for 35th uh, points by a Bruin all time in the playoffs um, in only eight games. Yeah, that's crazy. Like Pasternak is just doing craziness. And and I said it before, the, say the playoffs end right now, you might, Pasternak probably would win the Conn Smythe for the Boston Bruins, but Jake DeBrusque would be right up there. Yep. Like right up there. And think about it, Bergeron didn't score against the Leafs until the very end. He just had his, that two-goal game uh, yesterday against Tampa, but you know he wasn't scoring for a while. And Krejci silently um, got eight points in the first round. Yet people said he was uh, useless as usual, but uh, that's just people not understanding hockey in my in my eyes. But you got to look at the other guys, the unsung heroes of last game. Um, I'm looking at the ice time and I'm looking at block shots because you know I love those block shots. David Backus, four block shots. Danton Heinen, three block shots. So that line alone was shutting people down. Block shots for the game itself. Boston had yeah. 21, Tampa had six. Yeah. Like that's a big story in that game right there. Yeah. Um, and our fourth line was minus one. Oh, and speaking of block shots, uh, Jake DeBrusque last night. Oh, the, 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 the I, Greg I'm Campbell sorry, shot. but everyone forget about Gregory Campbell for a minute. There yeah. is a <laughs> there's the second coming of Gregory Campbell. Holy crap! And I'm going to say crap. I don't care. That's all right. Um, yeah. <laughs> That was insane. Like, I was screaming my head off last night. Uh, I got told off for that. But, um, yeah, I was screaming my head off. Please, someone get it out of the zone. And then as soon as I saw DeBrus go down, I was screaming, no, no, no. And then when he got up and blocked it, oh, my God. That guy is insane. His compete level this postseason, it doesn't even look like the same guy. From the regular season, he it's looks insane. like he's been in the league for ten years. He looks like say, he's been in the pole season for ten years. You could say the same about Grizz. I, I'll be the first to admit it now. Kid has played fantastic in the playoffs. That one shift last game, I was just like, "Wow!" Yeah, played fantastic. So many times he's he saved goals. Him and DeBrusque are making me uh, very happy about the future. Like McAvoy, finally, as we. We all said McAvoy finally played his best game of the playoffs so far. Maybe it just took him a little bit to get back into it. But uh, for the young kids, Grizz and uh, DeBrusque have been phenomenal. That block on the two-on-one early on, mm-hmm. I think that definitely changed the game a bit. Um, it, he just... I like him and McQuaid as a partner because Grizz's shot suppression numbers are great and... McQuaid's are unreal. So having them two on a pair, you can put them out against any top line and they do well. So it's good to know there's a backup, like top shutdown pair. So it's always good. And with Carlo being out, you need someone to step up defensively desperately. Especially on the penalty kill. Yeah. Are we not missing Brandon Carlo now? I think we put the rest that, uh, you know, the. I know Tuca sucks, Brandon Carlo sucks, and David Krejci sucks. Well, yeah, our penalty kill sucks. 
without Brandon Carlo. So that's all I'm going to say. Sucks is the word to use. And that's probably going to make him a more expensive player when it comes to resigning. Oh, absolutely. Because now they realize how good he is on the PK. So, yeah. Um, is it, it, the playoff scoring right now throughout the league, uh, the Bruins have four players in the top ten. And that is awesome. Um, and obviously, uh, court touch on this that the Pasternak is uh, leading the league with seventeen uh, by one point. I think it's uh, Jake Gensel is he's in second. Correct, and he doesn't have a point today so far. So yeah, yeah. So uh, if we can all admit we're all watching this hockey game right now, right? <laughs> uh, I'm what I'm watching golf. Oh. <laughs> um, the um, the player Pasternak, the, there are some good aspects of his game when he's on, but there's also some bad aspects of his game when he's off. And I kind of wanted to to uh, cater to court on this one because he's the one that really came up with this uh, this show agenda, and I wanted to ask him why. So go well, f- first off, that penalty was unbelievable. I, I everybody was losing their mind saying, "Oh, they shouldn't have been called." I'm sorry, I was just downright selfish. That's that's a I was penalty. the same thing. I expect from Brad Marchand, not David Pasternak, and it seems that he has been he's he's playing with an edge, which is fantastic. But that penalty was all on him. I'm sorry people. Like there's no doubt he knew what he was doing. It was stupid. It was selfish. It just it just didn't need to be done, especially in a tight game at the time. I believe it was only that would have made it 3-1. That's just the wrong time to do something like that. And when you've seen the games where they've lost, Pasternak has he's at least done a little bit better on the back check than um, a certain Brad Marchand lately. I don't know what up And I'm only talking about the games they lose. I'm not saying the line sucks. Obviously, they don't. But it's just for some reason, I've seen a lackadaisical effort and selfish plays. This behind-the-back pass that he continues to do. And he's not – the games when he scores, they're not doing it. But for some reason, if you look at the game tape of the games when they lose, the Pasternak behind-the-back pass to nobody is like a thing he needs. I've tweeted it a million times. Can they just please stop the draw pass? I, I don't get it. It's like they they get cocky, I guess is what it is. Like Pasta gets cocky, and it seems also people have pointed this out to me. When Pasta's not before the game, joking and laughing, he's not going to have a good game. And game six, Pasta was not joking and laughing. If you saw the uh, people pointed it out to me, if you saw during the anthem, he looks serious and mean. That's not the Pasta we need. And for some reason, when he does that, he has a terrible game. I don't know what it is. Kid needs to be joking and making fun of people. But to be fair to him, that that play where the goal got called back because of that penalty, I don't understand what was wrong with the physicality from Johnson. Like, I don't know why that made him cross-check him in the face because it wasn't anything bad. It was just the usual physical play yeah. on the boards. The hockey player looked like. Yeah, but then the pass... Uh, to was it Bergeron or Marchand? Marchand. It was Bergeron yeah. or Marchand. That is, that play was unreal. Like cut to the goal, like he's gonna try and go round the goaltender and then just pass it across was just unbelievable. Did you guys notice they were exposing Vasilevsky's glove hand? That's where all the shots were going. Yeah, except Rick Nash's dirty goal that was over his shoulder. And oh, then uh, DeBrusque just missed. Well, not just missed. It was quite wide, but. 
I think if that was on target, that Jake DeBrusque shot was going in. But but getting back to Passa, it's just I think his two way game has been phenomenal. His offensive game has been, um, you know, I, I you can't stop being happy about it. It's just the questionable selfish plays. It's all it is. For some reason, he makes these little selfish plays every now and then, and they don't know why he's doing it. It's like he does it, and then you can know it always leads to something stupid, and then he's always like got the look on his face. It's like, oh, what was I thinking? Eh. Maybe he's getting angry, and maybe he should never be angry because that guy joking around and having fun is the best player on the ice. One thing that we've seen from Pasta this series, though, is like some of his passes have been more impressive than his goals themselves. Mm -hmm. Like his vision has really—I tweeted about it the other day. His vision has stood out to me, especially in that first series. My my thing with it is he does these cute things, like those cute behind the back passes and the 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 little cute scrambly passes and stuff like that, like things that he doesn't necessarily need to do, but it's like, like Mark and Spinorama. Yeah, exactly. Something for like a highlight clip instead of just putting on goal. Cause we've all seen what he does when they're just putting the puck on net. Mm -hmm. That's all we're asking. But you reach a certain point in some of these nights where he's going to do those little cute passes and try to get somebody else in, in the mix. I'm I'm not mad at him because typically when he does things like that, where we get frustrated, it is him trying to get the puck to the open guy, but he doesn't necessarily always have that open guy. Sometimes he's just dropping the puck off and nobody's there and it's a turnover. The turnovers have always been his issue. I feel like this year he's cleaned that up a little bit, but he's still young. He's going to have these mental lapses. But ultimately, I just look at the big picture with him. He signed a really nice contract for us. Amazing. Uh, this is his come out, c- coming out party. Wayne Gretzky is talking about him. If, if somebody like Wayne Gretzky is talking about how good this kid is, then we know we have a gem. Yeah, definitely. So we got to deal with the cuteness sometimes. Like we got to deal with the, the silliness, but it's not really fun to deal with in a playoff situation. Or, luckily, or we can fix it. He's producing. We can ignore it a little bit. But if we lost that game last night, six to two, sure we're talking about him in a much more negative light today. Well, no, I'm just making my comparisons. There's here's my biggest comparison, and, and people can think it's a reach and, and whatever they want. Pasta shores up his his two way game. He's Ovechkin. Yeah. So Ovechkin doesn't do the cuteness anymore. Right. He has fun out there, and does. That's all I'm asking. I I, I think Pasta's phenomenal. I I just compared him to Ovechkin. I, I don't yeah. care. I I really do think Ovechkin shored up his two way game. I think Pasta next year is going to be dangerous. That's all I'm going to say. Just dangerous. Uh, speaking of players that uh, play on the edge and so on, I'm, I'm going to bring it back to Brad Marchand and the conversation we had a little while ago. But I was I was actually really impressed by what uh, Tampa Bay Lightning head coach John Cooper had to say about Brad Marchand because yeah, I, I thought it was absolutely – I'm, I'm going to read it to you right now because it was a tweet that came out. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where. I, I, I deleted it by accident, but – it, uh, John Cooper said, I was fortunate enough at the All-Star game last year here in Tampa Bay to meet him. Uh, his boy and off, and off the ice spent a little time with him. It actually was disappointing. I was hoping I wasn't going to like him, but he was unreal. I mean, that, <laughs> that amazes me that he can be a nuisance out in the ice and throughout the league but still have so much respect off the ice when you meet him and you finally get together with him. So uh, the experience in the All-Star game was was quite good for both of these people. And 
like I said, it's kind of funny that he says that, and and he was, uh, John Cooper was uh, pretty pretty comical about the whole thing too. Yeah, he wanted him to. He was hoping he was an idiot. Yeah, it's like yeah. pointed that he's not an idiot. It's like clearly he's not. He's just arguably the best agitator we've seen in our lifetime. Like at least on the Bruins, like he he just angers people on the ice for lack of uh, a dirtier term. Like he just gets in there and gets in people's faces and the whole the whole thing with him licking people and stuff like that. It's like I don't care about that. I don't want to see that, but. He's doing these things, and if it's working, it's working because that's that's half his game. But it's not like he's this goon going out doing stupid crap and jumping in on plays when he's not supposed to. He actually produces. He's arguably one of the best offensive players, at least in our conference. Like He's that good of a player, but people don't care about that because the more fun things to read about or, or talk about on Twitter is all the dumb stuff that he does or the... The, the agitating stuff, the stuff that's going to get you looking at YouTube clips of him being a moron. But he's not a moron. He's a smart dude, and he's a fantastic player. Yeah, and when Jake DeBrus got um, drafted, a lot of people compared him to Marchand because uh, he did play that style in junior. And, I mean, Jake DeBrus changed his game completely. Uh, you don't see a lot well too many penalties from him uh, especially not for stupid stuff and like Court said Marchand if he changes his game just like Pasta needs to change his a little bit Marchand will go the opposite way I don't think he'll be as good a player if he changes his game I think we need him to be what he is right now when we played Toronto in the first round I mean the games that he couldn't get under the guy's skin he looked invisible at times. Uh, and I think the difference between Toronto and Tampa is Toronto are a young team. Like, they're not going to get annoyed at little things. I think it just makes them play harder. But the veterans out there that don't like people taking liberties on other players, I think he can get under their skin. And we see, wasn't it Marchand who fought... Uh, Stamkos earlier on in the year. Oh, I don't remember that. Uh, Stamkos fought someone on the Bruins. I think it was Marshan for a hit. Um, but, yeah. Like, he, you've just got to target the right lines. If you target the right lines with Marshan, he'll get under guy's skin all the time. Uh, and I think the main line that those three need to shut down is that third line of um, Tampa. Because I know they were minus five last night, but they also looked very good. Like, really good in the offensive zone. Uh, so, if you keep putting Bergeron's line out against them, you can play the defensive game and counter-attack them. Uh, and Marshan can get under Killorn's skin because he's the type of guy who's going to get annoyed at him. <laughs> so, um, I, just, I just hope he can keep it up. I hope he can keep being an agitator until he retires. Well, uh, to close uh, this um, great podcast uh, with a great panel, uh, as usual, uh, the the Bruins play tomorrow night um, at Amelie Arena in Tampa Bay and then come home for two on Wednesday and Friday. And uh, hopefully 
they can get it done in four games. That'd be great. But uh, if necessary, uh, there's a game on Sunday. So um, looking forward to that. I, I, I really think this is going to be a great series, one that's definitely going to be remembered and, and hopefully propels this uh, Bruins team into the third round. Um, once again, before I, I, before I thank everybody, I just want to let everybody know about Weekend Warriors Adult Hockey Academy. Again, please follow them at WWAdultHockey on Twitter. Give them a call at 814-673-2000 and uh, check out their website. They have a great thing. They have a list of uh, all the places that they go to across the United States and, and dates and everything. And anything you need information, please go to the website. Um, uh, thanks, guys. Uh, thank you, Court and, and Rob, as always, for, for joining me on a weekly basis. It's been fun. It's been awesome. And I get, really got to appreciate uh, the um, uh, Thomas and, and his uh, appearance today. Thomas, thank you very much. We, we look forward to definitely having you on again. You really gelled really well in good chemistry for, uh, for uh, being with us for one time. So Anytime. We'll have you back on again. And uh, new job. New job for you, huh? Yeah, I'm getting bounced around a little bit, but I'm a good soldier, so I'm going to do whatever I need to do. So Get that you, money. So your weekends are pretty much free? Uh, it all depends. <laughs> it all depends on the week. All right. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, and and go Bruins. This is going to be exciting. I love playoff hockey. I love second-round hockey. This is great. Uh, it's been four years, a long four years, so... Uh, thank you for listening. You can find us on all the major uh, platforms um, and and check out the uh, Black and Gold Hockey blog, hockey.com website for our writings. Uh, we, we are gaining more and more writers and pr- trying to produce uh, content on a daily basis. So check that out too. And also don't forget about shopping online at bngshop.bigcartel.com for official Black and Gold Hockey Podcast gear. Um, Thank you very much, and we'll talk next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at BlackAndGold277, at CourtLalonde, and at Rob40Bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blog at gmail.com.